Let's try that again. There we go. Hey, in case you missed it, this is Massacre Radio, the hardcore porno Thanksgiving special to be exact. (laughs) Yup, you guessed it. Porno is the theme of the day. And you know, with Thanksgiving coming up and the whole stuffing angle, I just thought it was appropriate for the season. Oh, and by the way, as always, I am your host, Members Only Dave. And today my guest is none other than Steve Catani from the website EvilAngel.com. Forget the bang bros, forget Captain Stabbing. It's all about EvilAngel.com today, folks. Also, throughout the show, I'll be playing clips that you, the listeners, sent in on your earliest memories of porno, whether it be from a magazine, a VHS, or a sticky DVD you pulled from your father's collection, or hey, even the internet. You know, there's a rich history there to tap into, and we will get into all that. In fact, let's listen to one right now coming up right after this brief timeout. Hey, pass the collard greens. This is the Masker Radio Hardcore Porno Thanksgiving Special. Here at Masker Radio, you're not going to hear any of that mundane crosstalk from 20 and 30-somethings you don't even know who couldn't care any less about you, the listener. Because, you see, that's where we're different. We actually put the listener first with our data research team working tirelessly day and night all to unearth topics and find guests that you, the listener, actually care about. You see, we're not a podcast, we're a lifestyle. And the difference will become clear once you turn us on. Massacre Radio, the industry leader in broadcast excellence. Welcome. Back here on Massacre Radio, and I'm going to play this here clip sent in by a listener named Joe. He's actually a local comedian here in Cleveland, a very funny guy. And here is the clip he sent in on his earliest memory of pornography. Joe, what say you? Hey, so I did some thinking. One of my earliest memories of uh, pornography is, as in grade school, I think I was in like seventh grade, and I had a buddy who like not even a buddy like a kid that lives in your neighborhood who had like an adult dvd because it was still like you the internet was big but not like you know what it is now so he had a dvd i think it was his dad's and he found it and he brought it to our friend's house and he put it on the tv in the basement and i grew up like very catholic so i saw it and i was like this is wrong I know it's bad. I was like still very Catholic and I was like, I'm going straight to hell. And they had another TV in their basement. So me and like two other kids put on the South Park movie and we're like, we're not watching it. And uh, yeah, that was my first, I think, memory or time I've seen it. Pretty nuts. (laughs) You know, I have a similar experience with Joe, but with a magazine. You know, the first time I ever saw Jugs was on the bus in fourth grade. Yes, 1998. Mark Eschen brought in a magazine he swiped from his dad, and we were on the bus sitting directly behind the driver, and on the way home, he whipped it out, the magazine, that is. And I'll never forget the random page he opened up to first. Uh, It had a chick with giant jugs, and she was topless, you know, but she was also wearing suspenders and a giant cowboy hat for some reason. And uh, Mark and I just laughed and laughed and laughed. We just thought it was the funniest thing for some reason, you know, all those huge jugs and giant wieners, you know, or whatever. Uh, He kept flipping. We saw more, and yeah, I was in fourth grade. Thank you, Mark. Anyway, I think it's about time we welcome in our guest, Steve Catani. He does tech and promotional writing for the adult website, EvilAngel.com. Steve, welcome to the program. How are we doing today? Good, Dave. 
Thank you so much for your time. So uh, I guess the biggest question I have is, what is it like to work for a hardcore adult website? Just kind of walk the listeners through a typical day for you at the offices of EvilAngel.com, Steve. I'd imagine it's pretty exciting to a degree, you know? So uh, post-pandemic, the office environment here pretty much consists of a skeleton crew of uh, warehouse workers and an in-house editor and uh, occasional department managers that come and go throughout the day. I'm kind of pretty much on an island by myself to look at the material that comes in. My typical day consists of working with my manager and uh, and a colleague of mine. She and I, we look at 90 to 100% of, 100% actually, of the material that comes in from our directors. And we're, we it's put through a QC process that has a few layers to it. And then we, uh, it's also, it's for the web. I also do some, uh, it's not really creative writing, but it's promotional marketing writing uh, separately for the company as well, scene descriptions, things of that nature. Steve, I'm guessing it's just a marketing term, but since I have you on the phone, I got to ask you, what's the difference between anal porn and hardcore anal porn? Is it like situations and scenarios type thing? What's the deal with that? (laughs) <laughs> First time the question's ever been asked, I can only guess, and I would think that maybe hardcore anal might conjure up the images of uh, multiple dicks going up a girl's ass at the same time, whereas just anal is your generic, uh, you know, single dick in girl asshole action. That's just a semi-educated guess. I really don't know. Again, I know that was probably a silly question, but I was just more or less interested in the nuance of anal pornography and how it's framed, you know? Well, Evil Angel, just to extrapolate on it, Evil Angel is one of the harder companies, always has been one of the harder companies. So if you put a a little heat on it and say hardcore anal, it implies it's the Evil Angel brand, meaning more scenes with uh, possible double anal or double penetration. I can only guess. Absolutely. And when I visit the website, uh, as I pulled it up just now, I see a giant banner at the top advertising for a film called Breakfast at Sheena's, where it appears she has both milk and cereal in her posterior. And I'm only assuming later on in the film that serves as a vehicle for consumption. So I guess stemming off that little note there, Steve, just talk about some of the more extreme and hardcore type stuff that's been on the website over the years. Oh, well, just before before I address that, Sheena, that's Sheena Shaw. She is absolutely, positively the greatest performer of the current generation. And maybe, I dare say, of all time, she is unbelievably sexy. She's got such a, she has a perfect body. Uh, she's completely fearless. And she does extreme anal scenes. So there, there's my uh, brief appreciation of, of Sheena Shaw. She's, she is the Willie Mays of this business. I mean, nobody can touch her. As far as things I've seen over the years, we've actually, some of the outrageous anal content has come down a little bit for a variety of reasons. We had one director on our roster who no longer directs for us who was doing some, he was really, pu- really pushing the envelope, as you might say, I would say 10, 12 years ago for a number of years. Uh, and he, he did some really extreme stuff with uh, speculums, the expansion of the female anus, uh, milk and cereal being eaten out of the the anus, toys, lots of extreme toys, really crazy girl-girl anal rimming. Girls are practically sticking their head up other girls' asses. Wow. Just really, really crazy stuff. I mean, um, the late John Leslie 
used to direct for us. And, you know, he was an actor back in the 70s, and then he gradually moved into directing in the 90s. Really cool guy. Uh, but I remember there was even that, you know, even amongst pornographers, there was kind of like this general, oh, what the fuck is this? And I remember being on the phone with him on a couple of occasions, and, and he would ask me about that director, and he's like, I don't get it. What is with these? It's just a bunch of crazy acrobatics. Well, he wasn't wrong, but that director was incredibly successful for us, and, and the lines that he put out for us were incredibly lucrative. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was eyebrow raising. And, you know, that stuff hasn't gone extinct with his departure. We've had other directors that have uh, continued to push the envelope, as you might say. But no, nobody quite as prolific and as outrageous as that one guy. Steve Catani is my guest. He's with the hardcore site EvilAngel.com. Steve, as of today in 2023, what would you say is the most viewed or most profitable category on the website? Any idea? God, I, I, Dave, I really couldn't tell you with any degree of accuracy. I don't really, we, I don't really know those metrics. Mm-hmm. I just go by, I, I, you know, you see trends come and go. As far as the web goes, that's handled by a third party, so they work with our brass here, and that's something that's bandied about. But I, I off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to faithfully answer that. I just don't know. Okay, now, Steve, true or false? Evil Angel invented the POV porn as well as what would come to be known as Gonzo porn. It's mostly true. John Stalliano is, well, in addition to being the, pretty much the last mogul left, is the owner of this company, the one of the founders of this company. And he he may not have been the exact originator of, Gon, of the Gonzo approach to modern pornography, but he perfected it. And he blended into a variety of uh, subgenres that approaches, uh, artistic approaches that some of the directors use to this day. But uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, he broke a lot of new ground and he he perfected gonzo porn let's put it that way he perfected it i'm sure there was there were predecessors but he perfected it he developed characters he developed situations narratives but he was breaking the fourth wall continuously his first movie the first buttman movie buttman is his his uh porn character his porn id is his porn id uh and the the first movie that he did jamie gillis was in it and when jamie gillis gets done fucking this girl he officially crosses over into full gonzo territory john was holding camera john pans over to the mirror on the bedroom wall and reveals that you know acknowledges that a film is being made and from that point on went on to develop more characters and rocco gets involved at one point but he perfects gonzo you mentioned john stagliano there the founder and the last true pioneer in the industry as you put it just talk a bit about what it's like working with such an icon in the industry and do you have any stories pertaining to him or buttman that you care to share you know, the Buttman stuff, he's kept the moniker and he still occasionally will direct something. He doesn't really take it too far in terms of uh, compared to how he did back in the early 90s when entire narratives, stories were built around him uh, being that character. But he still, you know, he still directs under that moniker. Being around him is great. I, I really like being around him because he's still very much, uh, this is his baby. You know, this is his muscle car on the weekend that he likes to tend to, that he likes to check to make sure all the gears are greased properly, if you will, and the, the tires are in good shape. I mean, he's very, very hands-on. We see him like four or five times a month. I always uh, 
get a good vibe with him whenever I mention somebody from the past, but he's still very much engaged. He still really, really cares about the company, cares about the product. That's a great thing. And, you know, of course, I've worked for him for a long time, so I suppose it hasn't always been hearts and flowers. But uh, no, if you're working for somebody in this business, I think he's the guy to be working for. Steve, just real quick, since we're on the topic of porn icons, I don't know how much of a relationship you had with him or if you even care to comment, but the industry lost Max Hardcore this past year. I guess just talk about the legacy of Max Hardcore and maybe what he and his work meant to the industry. Very little. Never met him. Saw him. He was here one time years ago when he was going through his uh, his legal troubles. When when he was facing jail time, he was looking. I, I don't know specifically the reason he was here. I, I believe it was something surrounding his uh, the uh, the legal trouble he was in and the the jail time he was facing for obscenity charges. Uh, not a fan of his stuff. Don't really care for him. Don't really like him. Don't know too much about him. But his porn aesthetic was very much not to my taste. Okay, so it says here on my sheet that you were a regular at places like the New Beverly Cinema. What's the importance of L.A. having a place like that still around screening classics and the like in 35 millimeter? Oh, it can't be it can't be overstated. I mean, you know, Tarantino is the lifeblood for any cinephile here in town. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, of course, there's other places, there's museums, there's uh, art houses all across town. You know, we're, we're lucky to live in this town. But the New Beverly is such a gem. And I started going in the early 90s when it was owned by the Torgan family. I was gone for a few years. I was out of state for about six or seven years. Then I came back and I, I immediately picked up where I left off. And um, the Sherman Torgan passed away in 07. And his son was minding the store for a while. Then Quentin came in and took over complete control of the theater and made a lot of positive changes and has really kept the lights on. And now it's, I mean, for this isn't anything new to anybody that's been going to the bed for any time now, but he's really revitalized in a dramatic way uh, the scene. So you see younger and younger people going to see like film noirs and Italian crime films and exploitation films. It's it's really great. I mean, the New Beverly is, is such a gem. And the great thing about being in L.A. is we've got 15, 20 places like that we can check out. Although the New Beverly is definitely carved out a scene all its own. It's It's something really special. You mentioned Quentin Tarantino. I mean, have you ever run into him up there or around town? Well, when you say run into him, I've seen him around town. I don't know him, of course. I have actually had and have friends that know him very well, but I, I don't. I don't know him. I mean, I'd love to meet him, but uh, no clue as to how that, how or why that would happen. I've seen him around town countless times. I've sat near him, next to him. I've, I don't believe I've ever spoken to him. I've been in Eddie Brandt's uh, Saturday matinee, which was a great video store that he now owns the warehouse of. I've been in Eddie Brandt's where he was the only other customer on a couple of occasions. But uh, yeah, I, I'm a super fan of Quentin's and I really as a fan of, of non-pornographic movies I uh, I really appreciate what he's done and look forward to the the other theater that he's taking control of the Vista and on that note we're going to take a brief time out and come back with more from our guest Steve Catani after this inside of you there are two wolves and they're both listening to Massacre Radio only on WKMA Cleveland NHD2 station we're back, and I'm joined today by Steve Catani from the website EvilAngel.com. Steve, before the break, I was asking you about the New Beverly Cinema out there in L.A. Let's move on to another L.A. staple, Mondo Video Agogo. What can you tell the listeners who haven't been there what it's all about? <laughs> 
Mondo was an incredibly special place. Um, the, the origins of the Mondo Video Agogo, the full name of the store, okay. date back to, I believe, 1988 in San Pedro, California. It was two brothers owned and operated the store. They moved the business to Hollywood in the early 90s. Uh, I don't I don't know about this place until I moved back to L.A. in 2000. And when I moved back, I heard the name mentioned once or twice, and it turned out that I lived only like a couple of quick blocks away. So I'd go in there because at that time, it was early 2000, a lot of the great cult exploitation movies, oddities, underground films, crazy things, they just they were just starting to tip over into becoming available on DVD. You know, something weird was cranking them out on DVD and image, etc. But it was still about another five or ten years until absolutely everything was available everywhere all the time or near it. So they were kind of a one-stop shop for exploitation films, drive-in films, horror films, loads of porn. Mm-hmm. The, the surprise benefits of being a regular at that store was uh, the scene that it was. And it was just, you know, I developed a lot of great friendships there. I met a lot of cool people. Every now and then you'd see a, a celebrity of some of some rank. But mostly the store was famous for crazy people, extremely odd and uh, politically incorrect behavior and behaviors of every description. So it was a show. It was, a, it was like a, it was like this this tiny closet of a store, but it was this incredible freak show. So you, you'd want to go and see your friends and, and have a few laughs. And there was a core of, of crazies there that would show up all the time and just do outrageous stuff. And I got to be friends with some of them as well. It, it became, um, well, they built themselves as the Mondo family. And it, in some ways, it was almost like a cult, like the Manson family. Of course, as far as I know, nobody was going out killing people, but it, it certainly had that feel to it. Like almost anything can happen at any time. It was fun to be near that flame for a few years. So let me ask you this. What were some of the crazier things you can remember seeing from your time spent at Mondo Video? I mean, we could talk endlessly about all the different characters and the crazy skill set that they brought. But to be brief about it, if you could distill everything Mondo was about into one performer, the top performer there was this guy named Billy, who was this charming little Jewish guy from New York who was very open verbally about his sexual peccadillos and his sexual preferences. And he was very funny, very intelligent guy, well-read, educated, but uh, extremely perverted. And he liked to announce uh, uh, and almost in a predatory way, he's a young gay man, or I should say, he, he liked to verbalize his homosexual desires. And if anybody brought into question just how serious he was, he had the pictures to prove it. He had some video to back up uh, some of his, his sexual depravity. And I'll just say this, it crossed over into scat, extreme oh. scat play. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he would show this to people at the store. Basically, it wasn't a place where families would go and rent stuff like the latest Ernest movie or Homeward Bound, huh? <laughs> I think the only family was the Mondo family themselves. <laughs> you know, everybody was welcome as long as there was some kind of degenerate behavior going on or some weird sexual peccadillo or some, you know, you're really it, punk. The punk scene thrived there. You've been in the business for a while now. What keeps you going? What keeps you excited and constantly seeking that hint of zest, so to speak, as it pertains to your field of work, Steve? Wow, that's a tough one. Uh, exciting isn't a word that I would use. Uh, you know, the things that are fascinating, and it's not necessarily just the obvious, the things that are fascinating remain fascinating. The challenges remain the challenges. It's it's really hard to put into words. They're, they're just, you're waiting for the next big thing. And of course, AI is on everyone's mind. So what is that iceberg that's ahead? I'm, I'm thinking more about the existential threat 
of AI the way everyone is. So what is that iceberg that we might be hitting? And at least we know it's coming. What is that? What does that look like? How do, how do we, how do we interact with it? How do we, is there, is there a way for technologies to coexist so that, you know, I've still got a job? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I like what I like. I mean, it's, you know, but there's a lot of things about the business I could do without. Steve, we thank you for your time today on Massacre Radio. I would ask you for you know, a social media account, but you told me before the interview that you're off the grid. But the website is evilangel.com, so go check that out. And they even have apparel on there, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we've got some really cool EA stuff. Get some shirts, some hoodies. There's some uh, some nice uh, tank tops for the girls. Yeah, some of those spaghetti strap numbers would make a great stocking stuffer. You know, the holidays are coming up. I was even on the website earlier looking at stuff for my girlfriend, and I may have to make a purchase. Well, I'll send you one. Let's not get carried away, okay? But my girlfriend is a medium. Just putting that out there, okay? All right. I can manage that. (laughs) Steve Catani, thank you so much. Have a good one. Oh, likewise. Thank you, Dave. You're listening to the Massacre Radio Hardcore Porno Thanksgiving Special. All right, listen here, friendo. You get one phone call, so you better make it count. Uh, I don't know any numbers off the top of my head. I haven't the slightest clue as to who to call. Look, figure something out or don't. I don't care. You've got a minute, okay? Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. What was that number I'm trying to remember? Was it... Please, 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 please. Oh, it's ringing. You've reached the Massacre Radio voicemail. Oh, God damn it. It's a crummy radio station. What the hell is Massacre Radio, and why did he sound like that? Back on our airwaves. Thank you. All right, buddy, your time's up. You're coming no, with me. No, let me let me make another call. I, pr- I promise. I accidentally called Masker Radio. Don't be like that guy. Call us on purpose at 440-941-8585-247-365. We serve it up on Massacre Radio. It feels good. You're listening to the number one radio station in the universe. Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland, an HD2 station. Turn it up and rip the knob off. Massacre Radio. This next clip was sent in by my good friend Will Burge. And, uh, yeah, he was nice enough to pass along his earliest memory of porno on the Internet. Let's have a listen. So I was on the Internet early. I mean, early dial-up days. I'm talking AOL free 60 hours before they started giving triple digits. And my first memory of pornography on the Internet was actually jarring because before that, all I had seen was scrambled titties. And those were from the cable box. I remember the site vividly. I don't remember the name of it, but I remember it had pictures of naked women, and they were, like, almost gift form. So they would move a little bit, but it was like a a grainy loop. And I was like, I need more of this. And then I had a friend who introduced me to, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the precursor to LimeWire, where you could download different things on the internet. And that was where the porn gold mine was. The only problem was, out of every three were actually a virus or some kind of weird video or picture that I still am uncomfortable thinking about to this day. So back in the day, you had to work for your pornography. You had to find the person who had it online through LimeWire. You had to click on the link. You had to wait a couple hours and then cross your fingers, hope and pray that it was actually what you wanted. Most of the time, it wasn't. These days, these kids have no idea how easy they have it. 
Ah man, that takes me back. I remember those days, you know, downloading porno with a dial-up connection. Boy, was that excruciating. Videos were out of the question with a dial-up connection, so you had to stick to photos that, by the way, loaded extremely slow from the top down. And I also remember those banner GIF ads that Will was talking about, you know. I used to go to a website called thehun.com, and it was like a directory of porno, you know. And at the top of that website, I can remember seeing an ad for the flashlight back when that was a new thing. And it was just like Will said. It was three low-res JPEGs in GIF form, and it was of a dude using the flashlight on his 9-inch dong, which made me feel so inadequate when I was about 12, you know? And as far as the peer-to-peer -peer networks are concerned, I think Will was trying to describe Kazaa. Does anybody remember Kazaa? You know, it was good for music, but it was even better for porno. I downloaded so many pornographic photos off there, and it's wild to think that it was at least 20 years ago, maybe even more at this point. Like, I can remember being into mature stuff when I was like 13 or 14, you know? like older ladies with gray pubes. And sometimes I just wonder what they're doing now. You know, some of them might be in their 60s now, possibly even pushing 70. It is wild to think that I cranked it to someone's grandmother when I was 14. Special thanks to everyone who joined me on today's show, from Steve Catani to Will Burge, Joe Briggs, and thank you for listening to Massacre Radio, which I forgot to mention was the 21st episode, by the way. But alas, we set our sights on episode 22. As always, I've been your host, Members Only Dave, and I'll talk at you next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah.